Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. And I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. This is a podcast all about weather. We are two broadcast meteorologists in Dayton, Ohio. And we just can't stop talking about weather. So when we're not on TV, we figured why not jump behind the mic to answer your weather questions and talk about all things meteorology. Now remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. We've got a, a lot going on in April, man. I know. It has Crazy. been active. Is it spring, though? Technically. Right? Yeah, we, you know, transitioned into the spring season. I guess. People feel a little gypped, I think. Yeah, but then you had severe weather. I mean, it was like, spring's here. We'll do a little <laughs> snow this uh, to start the week. And then, you know, the next two days, we'll throw a couple tornadoes in there. Right, why not? And then we'll, you know, have some flooding, and then we'll track some more snow. Right. It's been, you know, it's Ohio, though. It is. We just, sometimes our spring, spring in Ohio means every season, every week. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned. Really? And I mean, it, <laughs> we couldn't have picked better guests leading up to this wow, event. Wow, yes. I mean, talking with Skywarn coordinator Don Parker. Yes. And then talking with Gabrielle Enright and mm-hmm. her, you know, traveling all across the country, dealing with, you know, mainly hurricane damage, but right. talking a little bit more about severe damage as well. Yeah, she's done everything. And I wonder if anyone listening to the podcast after listening to Don, if anyone did the storm spotter classes, because, geez, if you were in Dayton, Ohio, on Tuesday, then, you know. Maybe they needed it. Yeah. And a little bit more prepared for it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was a it was a very quick um, could have been, you know, was frightening. I mean, there was damage, a Mm -hmm. lot of flood damage. Um, Reminder that, hey, it's spring. Mm -hmm. Severe weather will be here. Yeah. And it it definitely came in full force for us. But also south of us, too. They there was severe storms outside of just Ohio. Exactly. So far this month. Um, Well, we're going to talk about backwards now yeah because um you know this winter was pretty interesting and uh at, we work for cox media group is our mm-hmm. parent company and so we have sister stations across uh, the country and uh, we have a station a fox station in boston mm-hmm. and i don't know about you this winter but i feel like man i heard so much about nor'easters 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 mm-hmm. new england's getting slammed with snow <laughs> La la la, um, which if you're in New England, uh, you know if you're in Boston, New England, I'm not sure if they were they were very surprised, but um, we have an amazing meteorologist. She's amazing, a morning meteorologist just like, like me. You, <laughs> your own little breed. Yes, exactly. Um, her name is Sherry Spear, and she is from our sister station at WFXT in Boston. She's worked there for almost six years now. She also worked in Miami though and uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. She works super weird hours like I do, so um, I'm pretty sure we'll ask Sherry, but I know she probably wakes up when you're sleeping and she's on air before you even have your first cup of coffee. She knows a lot about the brutal winters in New England and all that it has to offer because she also grew up in New Hampshire. 
Now, that is a big change, though, forecasting New England winters to what she used to do, which was a forecast as a meteorologist and an environmental reporter down in Miami. 2010 to 2012, she spent time there. She earned two Emmy nominations for the annual hurricane specials that she and her co-workers produced down there, which... That's pretty impressive that's to impressive. get two Emmy noms. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And she's actually had a pretty interesting educational path. We, McCall, you and I have talked mm-hmm. about our paths to uh, becoming meteorologists on television. And we're going to ask Shiri a little bit more about her educational path because it, it was pretty cool. Um, but speaking of accolades for her work, in 2012, Shiri also earned the prestigious Certified Broadcast Meteorologist title from the American Meteorological Society which McCall has one of these. This is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's really impressive as well. Um, so, Sherry, you have grown up all around. You've worked uh, in several different markets that gave you everything from crazy winter weather to hurricane coverage. We're really, really excited that you are here. Hello, Sherry. Thanks, ladies. It's um, great to be here. And I'm so excited to talk about winter and <laughs> lack of spring and what other, other craziness you guys want to talk about. Oh, I'm on board with that. Of course, we want to start out chatting about you and your path to becoming a meteorologist, your family, anything else personal that you want to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about your school first. Like, what did you do educationally? Uh, I took the scenic route. Yeah, (laughs) so did I. Yeah, so did we. (laughs) But let's hear your 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 drive. (laughs) Okay, well, you know what? It's kind of neat because everybody, well, I don't think everybody, but I think some people think that uh, meteorologist is the same as like a weather man or weather lady. And you guys know that can be mm-hmm. like farther from the truth. Like yes. We're not reading anyone else's forecast. We are doing the math. We're doing the science. We're doing all this nut stuff. So I actually went and got my undergrad degree as a math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. In, and I was like degreed. I was certified, ready to go teach seventh grade math somewhere. And then I was like, you know what? I really, really, I kind of had started as an undergrad in meteorology and atmosphere atmospheric science. And there was just this little voice in my head that said, if you don't go for it now, you're never going to do it. And thank goodness I trusted that voice because I actually went back and did a master's program um, while teaching preschool, oh my goodness. by the way. I have, I now as a mom, I'm like, how was I doing that? this? Um, but I went back and I got my master's in atmospheric and environmental science. And that's how I got into meteorology. Right. So it was kind of like the background, but it all makes sense because there's so much math. Yeah. And there's so much science that like without all that background in math, you just, you never could have done the program. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it definitely connected you the way that it needed to for your life. Yeah. Yeah. And did you guys ever take like a communications or journalism class? Because I know I never did. I I did not. Um, It wasn't until I graduated college, like a year and a half later that I went to like a broadcasting school to really learn all those tricks. Oh my God. Um, But Kirsty actually went to a school that kind of facilitated that. Yeah. So my scenic route was doing broadcast news and specializing in meteorology. And then I did another undergrad in geosciences with a meteorology emphasis. So yeah, instead of just doing a four-year degree, I said, hey, let's just make it a lot longer. I know, know. Um, it took me seven years to graduate. But you know what though, but it does, because like you said, I mean, being a math teacher, it plugged it in for you. Doing broadcast news for me, I mean, it makes the television side of my job and sweeps pieces um, you know, that much easier, or I underst- I feel like I understand it a lot better. Yeah. So it all works for us all. You yeah, know? You, yeah. So I kind of feel like I earned my communication part standing in front of seventh graders and just being really hard with <laughs> because that was yes. kind of scarier oh my goodness. than standing in front of a camera in a studio. I promise. Seventh graders, they are 
they are uh, a special breed. I'm mm-hmm. sure. And that was super intimidating. But I actually think that, like, standing in front of a classroom prepared me to stand in front of a camera. So I never took those journalism or communications classes. I actually took, as part of my graduate degree, I took a credit um, with an internship and ended up working as an intern at a Boston station. And the funniest part now, one of one of my best friends at work, I have a coworker that, that's also uh, a good friend like you guys, mm-hmm. and her name is Sarah Robleski, and she is actually the producer that was at this station that oh trained goodness. me when I was an intern. <laughs> and now we work side by side. So that's Aww. fantastic. Yeah, but it was all, I remember the first time I stood in front of a camera and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I kept being like, what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my hands? <laughs> you and everyone else, I think, the first time they step in front of the camera, I love when we get studio tours. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the their screen. favorite part is when they walk in front of the mm-hmm. green screen and the confusion on their yes, faces. it's a mirror. Yeah. You get yeah. the television camera and then where you're pointing, it's like you're looking opposite. at yourself in a mirror. Mm-hmm. It's opposite. Yeah, that's um, my favorite too. Oh gosh, yeah, that's really interesting. But I do think actually, you made a really good point though about being a teacher mm-hmm. and you, you learn complex um you know, different processes and, and all the equations that go into being a meteorologist. But then every day you have to communicate as as well yeah. as possible. You can have the most accurate forecast, but if you're not communicating it mm-hmm. effectively, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. So you got a lot of training being a teacher doing that. Oh, gosh, yeah. Best advice I ever got, I think, was talk, like, give the forecast like you're talking to your mom. Yeah. Just, just say what it's going to be. Explain it. Like, it's our job to mm-hmm. talk weather, not just to other meteorologists, we really need to not simplify it um, to a point that we're putting anyone down. That is not our goal, but our goal is to communicate it in just like a very fresh, clear manner where there's no questions left behind. And Mm -hmm. I I do think teaching definitely helped um, break it down in a way that makes sense. I hope I credit that with with what made me able to stand in front of a camera and break down that forecast. But it's so much fun. I mean, at the end of the day, it's funny how you sometimes take a sideway path into getting involved in something, mm-hmm. and you just feel so lucky that you made it there. Because, I mean, every day, you're right, wake up crazy hours. My kids <laughs> tuck me in that night. I am up <laughs> long before them. But I get to come and do a job that I love every day and every day it's different like you might think you've seen one pattern sometime and nothing replaces your gut but um it's always different mother nature never ceases to amaze us yeah Yeah. and i would have to agree that uh, all of our paths are different all of them were not easy or (laughs) short by any means (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i think that is a testament to our passion to the to the craft and the science because if that wasn't there you would have, we would have given up would have long given ago. Up, right. And I'm sure there's been many of people that thought that that's what they wanted to do and, mm-hmm. and just didn't do it, you know, because they just realized how hard it was to get there. Or, right. you know, maybe yeah. they just didn't have the opportunities. But I don't want to diminish those people, but more so, you know, lift us up for, yes. you know, continuing to stick with it. Yeah. yeah, it's humbling, too, though, because, I mean, we've all had busted forecasts, oh, and they're, mm-hmm. they're extremely disappointing. And, I mean, trust me, nobody is more devastated when a forecast goes wrong than we are. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it is just that reminder that it's our job to really try and understand something that is not fully understood and cannot be perfectly modeled. Mm-hmm. And we do the best that we can, and we really try to provide that best forecast, keep people safe, keep people informed. Um, but at the end of the day, there will be curveballs, and it's just, it's just a reminder that 
you know, the science is still imperfect and, right. and mm-hmm. we're imperfect and, and we do the best we can with our tools, but there's still a long way to go. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking of busted forecasts, I'm sure that you've <laughs> what had. What does that mean? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding. I, no, but it just like immediately when, when I think of snow busted totals. To snow, snow totals. totals. It's like it haunts <laughs> it's the like, colonized. Uh, like we get every little half inch is measured when, I know. when we talk about snows in Dayton. I mean, we're talking one to three yeah if we go three to six that's like a big snow down here i know um sherry so, it's like very rare we get a six oh inch yeah, snowfall six inch snow is like that's a that's a big snow for our winter season but that's like child's play <laughs> where you forecast yeah so normally like a typical winter for us is 43 inches oh or like goodness. 44 inches in boston but keep in mind like boston's close to the coastline right. you can get extremely higher numbers when you start going into like central massachusetts which we forecast for or southern new hampshire even southern vermont is in our viewing area so i mean our snow totals can go from <laughs> nothing on the cape to legit like two feet inland it, it's oh crazy gosh. and drawing those lines people will stand i swear with their noses to the screen and be like where is <laughs> yes, the line they're like where is my city am i in this band am i in this band so i mean there's a lot of pressure and to tell you the truth i feel like it's psychological too as soon yes. as we put like 12 inches or mm-hmm. 24 inches on the map like those are numbers and that's all people see it's always a challenge yeah, it's a, it's always a challenge. And this year, we're actually up to about 60 inches of snow in Boston. And most of it, I think, fell last month because it was like bowling balls. It was like nor'easter. Yeah, nor'easter. 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 How about a blizzard? <laughs> <laughs> now, wasn't it like only a few years ago, Boston was hit with like, I don't even know, 50 inches of snow? No, girlfriend, twice that. Oh, 100. Yeah. Let's just talk about that. What was that like? Uh, That was insane. Okay. So 2015 was a nuts winter for us. We, um, we got 110 inches of snow, and the crazy part of it is it didn't really start until the last week of January. So we oh made it through goodness. Christmas, yeah. and we got into January, and I remember we have these these meetings in the morning where um, I'll go in as a meteorologist, and I'll let the dayside producers know what's going on, you know, just weather need more time, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I actually remember somebody asking me, do we just throw in the towel? Is this winter just <laughs> never going to happen? Like, I actually remember that. And then we got, like, a big storm with, like, 12 to 24 inches of snow at the end of January. And then the month of February, we got most of that 100 inches, at least half of that. I mean, it was it was storm after storm after storm. And for us here, um, you know, we end up going on wall to wall coverage where we will stay on because it becomes like a big safety thing when you've Mm -hmm. got visibility near zero. Zero, You've got snow coming down at a rate of two, three inches of snow per hour. Uh, We've seen it come down at a rate of four inches of snow per hour. That's insane. So Mm -hmm. it's a real safety thing. So we'll stay on air and keep people informed and we'll basically take 12 hour shifts like two of us will work these 12 hours and next two work these 12 hours and there's a hotel that's in walking distance and is that like so a month long thing you're doing or two months or three For month that long month thing? it was oh my February goodness. 2015 I, I, no I had slept. so many sleepovers <laughs> at work it was great I remember my kids had so many snow days they went to school so late in the school year oh, but yeah. every time the kids have snow days moms at work so I, yeah. it was yeah, just, I felt like I never saw them that was we were we were exhausted we were oh mentally goodness. exhausted and I think the breakdown was like if you averaged it it was like four inches of snow per day <laughs> that month it, it was, that is it was un- crazy like that unbelievable that's yeah. unreal makes unreal. our 60 inches this year sound very pathetic do you notice that and and this is just I think it's just human nature how short our memories are oh, in yeah. the sense of 
I forget how bad the winter was for us. Uh, what, what, the first two years I was here, 2013-14, mm-hmm. uh, the polar vortex winter. <laughs> yeah. oh, um, gosh. You know, how, sh- how quickly we forget that, oh my gosh, remember how horrible that was? Mm-hmm. So now I'm sure you guys are piling up to your 60 inches right now, and everyone's like, ah, oh, the winter never ends, we're spring. And then you're like, yeah, but remember when we had yeah. 100 <laughs> inches of snow? Yeah, that was because like it's funny. two years yes. ago. Everyone wants to know where spring is because it's been cold, and one of my coworkers actually did Sarah that I was telling you about before. She actually did a story yesterday about how it's like one of the coldest first uh, nine days of April or something like that. But then I'm going, yeah, but don't you remember February when it was in the 70s and there like was no winter? So I I don't know what the time limit is, but people definitely have short-term memories, even as meteorologists. And we also have bars that we measure too, because it's funny because there's a whole population around here. Because I have to say, a lot of the meteorologists that work in this market grew up around here. And there's a lot of people, when I worked in Florida, there's a lot of like transient populations Mm -hmm. which are coming and going. And a lot of people didn't necessarily grow up in Florida. People here um, are people that for the most part have grown up around here, lots of generations around here. So it's just a lot of hardy New Englanders. And there's this um, blizzard of 1978 that is always Mm. the bar. Like people always want to know if it's going to be the blizzard of 78. Yeah, that was the same for us. Yep. Ohio, man. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, it's a measure, because I'm like, were you even alive in 1978? Like, are we... Is this something that you actually remember? Or, because we've actually beat it on several levels. I mean, the flooding yeah. that we had with one of our nor'easters this January was worse than what we had with that. And um, and, and we've beaten that on several levels, but it just stands it out so stands much out. because now our tools are so much better. Yeah. So people aren't going to end up stranded in as in yeah. as dangerous a situation as what happened then, just because there wasn't the ability to communicate the information as well. We didn't give as much notice, maybe, as we've got for the storms now. Yeah, because I think Good when point. you're caught off guard, it, it makes it epic. makes it feel so much worse than, you know, maybe it is itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but now with our technology and forecasting mm-hmm. abilities, giving people a heads up like, hey, just stay home. Right. Like, let's, let's not go out. You're going to get 50 inches of snow today. <laughs> well, and also being able to move on from a bad forecast. Because yes, one of the neat tools. things, if you look back on that forecast of 1978, that blizzard, is that that blizzard was excellently forecasted. But the reason that there were so many stranded motorists on the roadway and the highways were just clogged with snows that were com- the cars that were completely covered is because the storm before it was so badly forecasted oh. that it was one of those situations where it was, you guys don't know what you're talking about you know how can you get you. paid to be wrong all yeah. the time it i like to call those. it the the irene sandy effect yes yes it was yeah. one of those so the blizzard yeah. of 78 actually was forecasted very well the problem was a busted forecast that came right before it that i think decreased confidence mm-hmm. in that forecast yeah and I, I think that happens just a lot in all yeah. type of yes mm-hmm. you get one good you get one that you mess up and then it takes away from the good one you have that's when you want time. them to forget quickly they just don't yeah like, oh no shucks <laughs> i know darn memories I know. so mccall and i in an earlier podcast had done we sometimes will answer questions like you know what's a nor'easter why do we have sure. lightning things like that and one of our questions was what's a nor'easter we briefly <laughs> explained it but you live it so yeah. real quickly i mean this was I don't want to say a, a, a buzzword, but it really was because you guys were kind of riding the nor'easter train this winter. I feel like nationally it was covered a lot. Um, so just as a New Englander, Absolutely. what's a nor'easter? You know, what it, what is your immediate impacts? How do you forecast it? Okay, so really easy way to think of nor'easter is that we get northeast winds, winds that are coming in from the northeast 
to the southwest. Now, typically, a nor'easter storm for us is something that gathers moisture over the Gulf of Mexico. It comes up with a ton of moisture, which is what's able to give us. Uh, it doesn't have to be snow. It can be rain. I mean, we mm-hmm. can get nor'easters any time of the year, but it's a system that usually gathers its moisture and its strength over the Gulf of Mexico, slides up the the east coast of the United States towards St. Massachusetts, which is sticking out right there. Mm -hmm. And a typical nor'easter for us is going to graze right past us. It might move over Cape Cod and might skim just past us. But when it's passing us by, the winds are very tightly packed. There's a lot of moisture with it. And we get these winds swinging in from the north and east. And what that does for us is it pulls in all that moisture, which is going to give us a lot of snow, a lot of rain, but also really amps up the wind. So this is typically when we would expect to get blizzard warnings. And we Mm. actually, most of our blizzard that we get will be with nor'easters. Another problem that we get, though, is that, that that pushing of the water into the coastline, especially near Cape Cod Bay, if you think of the shape of Massachusetts kind of sticking out like a hook, mm-hmm. it pushes all this water into the coastline at the same time, and we can get some massive flooding. Yeah. And for some of the slower-moving nor'easters, there's a real problem getting the, the flooding to drain out between high tides. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the slower it moves, the more detrimental it is, especially to our coastline. And this year, for example, Last month, it was just nor'easter after nor'easter, nor after mm-hmm. nor. It almost became like a little bit of a joke, even though we forecast them every year. And it's always been like a hot word up in New England because mm-hmm. the locals are very familiar. Every time you say it's a snowstorm, they're like, is it a nor'easter? Right. Or they'll be like, is it a nor'easter? <laughs> uh, but uh, but um, we, we got so many. And one of the issues are the first one that we got or one of the first ones, I think it was actually the second one. Um, it brought in such bad flooding because it lined up with a full moon, which is already mm-hmm. going to give us these these really high high tides, these yeah. astronomical high tides. So then, when you add the damage and the um, the storm surge and sometimes the um, strength of these waves, because it doesn't just have to do with um, the the strength of the surge. Sometimes it has to do <laughs> with the periods of the waves, like think about, are they long waves? Are they mm-hmm. tall waves? Mm-hmm. They can have different kinds of energy. So the kinds of waves we get are also going to be more destructive. We ended up with a ton of beach erosion. So that oh. first storm came in, it knocked down a bunch of dunes, it washed out tons of local beaches. And then we just kept getting more storms. Mm-hmm. And then you didn't have the protection of the dunes or the sand anymore. Yeah. And I mean, some houses were absolutely condemned because they were so damaged. There was no more beach to protect them. That's awful. That it, is. it really is. It's very sad. Have you uh, noticed the, because you've talked about how people are basically born and raised in that area, yeah. so they must be resilient to this. So yes. what type of... What's your community like? Yeah, what's it like now that you've been pummeled by three nor'easters <laughs> in a row? I mean, people people end up getting exhausted for sure. I think that the coastal communities really end up getting quite frustrated because most winters aren't that bad. Right. But the real hazard is... Um, this is something that you you know is inevitable, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you need to be very sensitive to the populations of people that live at the coastline, have their families at the coastline, have invested in homes at the coastline. Mm-hmm. That's their everything. So even though we can look at it from a very scientific point of view and be like, this is going to come in, this is going to be bad, when you see the pictures coming in from somewhere um somewhere like Sandwich, Massachusetts, and it's just a house with no more foundation and, and the house is going to wash out into the ocean and you hear these reports of just firefighters working oh. around the clock to do rescues of people that choose not to evacuate even though they know they're going to be stranded. Um, 
you know, it's frustrating as a meteorologist. I think that there's the desire to wish that you could have done more or maybe yes. communicated more or made sure that people were prepared. But I think we tend to take for granted that most of the time it's not that bad. So when we get these extremes, like the extreme flooding we got, and I mean, we had we had water in, in Boston that was going into the tea with one of these, these really bad flooding that we had. So right. I think that there's a whole generation of people that have never seen it that bad. If you want to yeah. measure it against a the blizzard of 78, guess what? There's a whole new generation of grownups yes. and homeowners yes. and yeah. car owners and property owners that have never seen that. Mm-hmm. So for us to say it's going to be major coastal flooding, most people don't know what that looks like. And you know what? I yeah, had I never do. forecasted coastal flooding on that yeah. uh, uh, up to that that uh, extremity before either. So it's just hard to give people a measure when they've never seen it. So there's always that desire that you wish you could have done more, that you wish that people weren't so surprised by it, but it's a reality of living at the mm-hmm. coastline. It's a reality of living um, near the coast. And, and yeah. we just hope, we just hope that the communities can, can rebuild and, and recover and, you know, homeowners insurance, super yeah. important. And I think people around here really know that. Yeah. Well, I know you do a lot for your community because I follow you on social media. As do I. I mean, we're both up super early and I do see everything that you do. Not only are you doing your forecasts on television, um, but you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, social media, really, you know, early in the morning. Sometimes people just check Twitter and sometimes, you know, maybe your tweet is all they see. So for mm-hmm. people, um, because not only are people listening in Dayton, but I'm hoping mm-hmm. they're going to listen up in Boston, and you can get a podcast wherever oh, yeah. you live. So um, for people that were maybe um, don't know you quite yet, <laughs> how can they follow you? How can they find you? Um, plug that real quick for us. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I start tweeting at like 4 o'clock in the morning because that's <laughs> when our show goes on. So trust me, I am there every morning. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Shiri Spear. It's kind of weird spelling. It's S H I R I. S-P-E-A-R. Um, I'm Sherry Spear, Boston 25 on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm Sherry Spear as well. So, um, you know, all those things I'm trying to uh, to promote as much as possible. But I, I try to also, I don't know about you guys, but I try to find balance. So when yes. I'm at home mm-hmm. with the kiddos, they have yes. requested that I put the phone and the social media <laughs> down. So I try to respect that. So usually I'm doing it when I'm at work in the morning. Well, you are very, very impressive, Shiri, and it has been wonderful to be able to talk to you. Um, you know what? We'll probably call you again to yeah. be on our podcast. I'm going to make it our next talk be about, like, all the 90-degree days. Yes. Summer. We'll hit yeah. you in the Let's summer. Let's rack up more. Yeah. Exactly. We'll hit you in the summer when everyone is, you know, is sweating and forgetting about snow and uh, nor'easters. Mm-hmm. But Yes, please. <laughs> thank you, Shiri. You got it. You guys take care. I really love Sherry. Oh, my gosh. She was wonderful. <laughs> she is. And it's so cool to just hear a different perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, each meteorologist at every station in every market has their little niche. And yep. you know where you live and the type of weather that's there. And as much as I grew up in the Northeast and experienced Nor'easters, I didn't really forecast as many on air yes. and, and feel the full impact of what I was saying and, you know, the viewers. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the perspective, um, you know, the people that she said that they're from they're new englanders like this yeah. is this is their life this mm-hmm. is where they grew up um that does that plays a part when you live in a community that's yeah. a little more transient or when you live in a community that has homegrown people how mm-hmm. they deal with also the weather scenarios and setups and stuff so um once again sherry thank you so much and, yeah. and don't forget to follow her facebook twitter instagram 
All that jazz. Exactly. And all that jazz. <laughs> That's my little singing for the day. I love it. Um, so let's transition to astronomy. We talk about this every podcast. I just yeah. think it's something really cool. Uh, first of all, April 17th through the 19th, the moon is going to be close to Venus. A waxing crescent moon thin near Venus about an hour or so after sunset. Just look to the western sky. You'll find the moon first. Then look for a bright star, which is actually going to be Venus. And Venus is one of the brightest the planets to yes. see. I know that I've had several people. People just ask, what is that really bright star in the sky? And it's actually just a planet. Right, exactly. And you'll know because it doesn't twinkle. The stars twinkle. The stars are faded. But the planets themselves, when you can find one, you're like, oh, I know that's a planet. And then Mm -hmm. you're like, which one is it? Well, it's April 17th through the 19th. Chances are it's Venus. Yep. Um, We finally have a meteor shower to talk about. Finally. Yes, Leard meteor shower. That is going to peak the weekend of the 21st. Um, We kind of, honestly, I don't think we had any major meteor showers in March. No. If I can remember correctly. We've been talking about the Leard for like three podcasts now. Yeah, you guys are sick of hearing about (laughs) it. Uh, Before dawn, though, um, the night of the 21st into the morning of the 22nd is going to be your best chance. You get 10 to 20 meteors per hour. Sometimes there are outbursts, though, that have in the past produced 100 meteors per hour. I didn't read anything on NASA or anything um, that we're forecasting that we'd have an outburst. Mm-hmm. But, hey, it doesn't matter. Uh, by the time we're at the end of April, hopefully it'll be warm enough for you to just sit outside and, and give yourself some time. Um, and also, a bonus for you is looking south-southeast before dawn around the time of the meteor shower. You will also see Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. So once again... They line up just in and of themselves. Whether you find a meteor or not, you mm-hmm. should still be able to find those three planets. So really cool. And then, McCall, we've got a myth. <laughs> yeah. Ah, it's on It's on Facebook and everywhere. <laughs> well, uh, so we've been dealing with a few uh, tornadoes. Yeah. We've had some severe weather. Um, and there's a lot of myths that come along with uh, tornadic activity. Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, a highway overpass is an excellent place for a tornado shelter. Not. Not so much. Not so much. Uh, This myth has gained a lot of traction since 1991 when a TV crew survived a tornado unharmed by sheltering underneath an overpass in El Dorado, Kansas. Uh, This event had nationwide coverage. The video of the event helped uh, perpetuate this myth. Uh, but it's a very dangerous thing to do because basically what happens is the winds themselves increase mm-hmm. um, underneath a bridge. Fortunately for those people, they did survive. Right. Um, but it is not the best place to be. In fact, if there is a tornado that is near you when you're on the roadways, if there is no sturdy structure that you can seek shelter in immediately um, or no ditch, because the best place would be to go lie into a ditch, mm-hmm. uh, cover your head and lay flat on the ground, um, if that's not an option, what you really want to do is just buckle up and duck Get down in your, down car, in your car, cover your head, and yep. just hope for the best at that point. Yeah, so, um, yeah, please don't. No bridges and overpasses. Um, but, yeah, doing some inf- some digging, honestly, I didn't even know that it had gotten popular because of that 1991 mm-hmm. I've, And I've seen the video. You ha- Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I haven't seen the video. Um, another myth, which is interesting as well, is to open all your windows in your home if a tornado warning is issued. And that was um, something that became popular because the thought was that, oh, um, I need to equalize the pressure of my house Mm -hmm. or when a tornado comes, it's going to blow out my windows and blow my house up. First of all, there is really not that much of a difference anyways in the sense of it to cause an explosion. And then second of all, please don't do that because you're wasting time. If you're under a tornado warning, you need to be grabbing your family and get into your safe spot immediately, not run around your house and open up your windows. You want to be actually as far away from your windows as you possibly can be. 
And this one is also another myth that, McCall, I don't know if you saw the video of this or not, um, but recently Fort Lauderdale actually had two tornadoes and one was t- downtown, touched in their downtown. I didn't see the that. The video was insane. Um, you can see they said that it was uh, it had lofted um, – uh, porta bodies, like oh my. like city, like downtown city mm-hmm. stuff, which which was crazy. But a lot of people believe, oh, if I live downtown, um, a tornado's not going to hit me. That's not true. We have no. it on record that there have been multiple cities. Um, I had done some research. St. Louis is actually a city that has gotten hit their metro mm. uh, multiple times. And you just think about it, though, it's the fact that like a, a downtown is a really concentrated small Very target. Small. So, yes, it definitely still can be hit. It's you're not safe. I mean, the chances. Right, it's a smaller If you're if you're picking any city, any neighborhood, right. anywhere, the chances right. are just the same. Yeah. So, so that's that's also another myth and then there was one more myth in the sky McCall and that was that the moon is going to turn green on April 20th and that is not going to happen. That is a hoax. <laughs> it's one of those like memes that's going yeah. around. Um, someone had asked me if that's real and no, 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 definitely not real. You will not see the moon turn green. Um, occasionally though, the moon gets that eerie shadow when we have a lunar eclipse take place. Yeah. That's not happening. And that's so. what we call a blood moon. A blood moon, yes. But no, no blood moon, no green moon. Sorry to burst your bubbles. I'm sure it'll still be on social media and we'll have to ask answer questions about it. <laughs> Probably, depending on when you listen to this podcast. <laughs> April 20th. Don't be disappointed. Yeah. The moon will look normal. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Cloudy with the Chance of Podcast. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zontini. And I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. You can always subscribe, download to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. If you subscribe, please rate us, leave yes. a comment, and if you have any questions in the comments section ask us a question we'll Mm -hmm. try to answer it for you right here on cloudy with a chance a podcast without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.